Welcome to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered with Perry Clark. This program looks at mental health from unique perspectives and shows you how to manage your life by finding the knots that help you and stay away from the ones that could be a disadvantage. Now, here is your host, Perry Clark. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Right now, we're recording this in December, and it is the holiday season. So you're probably hearing this now in March. So hopefully the season went well, and hopefully those credit card bills aren't too bad. So I want to remind everyone that this is a podcast. This podcast is not a substitute for a visit with a licensed mental mental health provider. Please seek out a therapist in your location to work with your unique issues. This podcast is for entertainment and educational purposes only. So if you heard the podcast we did in February with Terry Gamble, you heard us talk about her brother, Brandon, and we did give him a bit of a hard time there because we were supposed to have him on as well. So it's going to be a, a sibling recording. Well, today I have him as well. So we're catching up with that. And he also is one of those who has taken to the aspect of creating, but also has his relationship with mental health and psychology. So I want to go ahead and welcome in our late but dear friend here, Dr. Brandon Gamble who received his training in psychology from Oakwood College uh, for his bachelor's degree, San Diego State for his master's, and University of Southern California for his doctoral degree in educational psychology. He has served as a uh, school psychologist in a number of uh, districts from Long Beach to Cal State Long Beach, as well as uh, the College of Educational and Educational Psychology Programming from 2007 to 2008, as he's also worked with the Black Student Union. And I recently recall that he was in, uh, let's hear what's this? Oh, yeah. He was in a part of the Dean of Student Services or Student Success at Oakwood University in Huntsville, Alabama. Currently, he's back here in the Bay, uh, in the uh, state in San Diego at the Charles Bell, faculty scholar scholar at the Black Resources Center at San Diego State University. Dr. Gamble has written and has written work and research that is focused on African American social capital and family familial support networks and the empowerment of young people to succeed in academics and in life. He's also the host of at least two other podcasts. One is called The Gold Doctor, and the other is the Psychologist Mind Podcast. So, welcome, Brandon. Or should I say, welcome, Doctor. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, and again, my apologies for my tardiness, but it is good to be with you. Sometimes there is divine and cosmic timing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's just um, old man foolishness, <laughs> and, and, and just trying to keep up with life when you know you're getting too old to be doing too much. Um, but either way. I'm glad to be with you in all of the timing that we have. So thanks for having me. Not a problem. Thank you for coming on. So as, uh, as I read that you have a very impressive record here. So tell yeah. us a bit of how you got started. Oh, and I also forgot about the podcast you have with your sister, which is Our Black History as well. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which which is one of the fun ones, but it's also, you know, um, very deep in that. And, and I keep talking about that podcast in particular mm-hmm. because we interviewed our parents and in mm-hmm. doing the podcast with our parents, we learned more about them, but also mm-hmm. our family history. So mm-hmm. um, I, I encourage anybody and everybody to, you know, sit down with their parents or grandparents and really learn the stories, because I think 
that generation from the civil rights era till now, they really spent a lot of time holding things in and not sharing mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. And it, it was good to really connect with them on that. So that's our Black History podcast. Mm -hmm. um, we have a few episodes, but each of them are so deep and powerful. It's, it's kind of, my sister and I go in, we thought it would be, uh, we have fun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But like we feel it afterwards because each person is really sharing some deep, deep stories from their lives um, that are uplifting, but challenging at times. So, yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so, so my background, yeah. right. Um, people ask me that story. I do take it all the way back to elementary school because I got mm -hmm. into a lot of trouble in elementary school. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I and in the to quote my dad, to make a long story short. I really wanted somebody to come and speak to my teachers or principals about what my issues were. Mm -hmm. And I thought like, hmm, that would be a good job. <laughs> and, and I had like visions at like 10 years old, like I'd work at a school, but I couldn't be in a classroom like a teacher all day. Like I didn't right. even like being in a classroom as a student, but <laughs> I knew students had to do it so I could help them with it. And that's really how I approached the job and approached the questions that I asked as a researcher. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, and then eventually I begin asking parents about their experiences with their children from everything from mental health to getting their kids ready for college. And a lot mm -hmm. of times they either ran into resistance or just ignorance from the school system. Mm -hmm. And I, I realized how much um, how brilliant my parents were to be able to raise my sister and I in the times that they did. And, and they're coming being one. My sister and I being one generation away from poverty, like my parents mm -hmm. grew up in, in pretty heavy circumstances. My dad being a foster kid, my mom growing up in the segregated South. But they gave us a real strong work ethic and mm -hmm. then a particular view about education. And to kind of crystallize that, my dad had me watching Star Trek every Sunday. He was wow. a math and science teacher, right? <laughs> like it, be, before people were talking about black nerds and geekdom, like we, uh, my dad was <clears throat> on that path. Right. Just, mm -hmm. and, and, and organically giving it to me. My mm -hmm. mother is even better at him than math. And she her favorite thing is like MC Escher um, paintings or, or pictures with mm -hmm. all the patterns and the geometric designs mm -hmm. and just infusing within my sister and, and my life um, this appreciation for math. I didn't have a love for it. Like I, right. I, I skipped out on my mom's geometry class. I was taking it during the summer. And I walked four miles home rather than sit in another minute of that class. I just wasn't ready and wasn't mature enough. Mm -hmm. um, but um, I, I did find an appreciation. So when I um, started teaching graduate students, I would tell them, look, I, and I know a lot of you psychology majors think you're not good at math, but now you're in graduate school. Only very few people make it to graduate school. So at some level, you're good at math. So get over mm -hmm. it. And mm -hmm. you're going to have to get good at statistics <laughs> over these next couple of years. So go with it. And, and I took that as a student um, because school had been so hard. I, I said, I kept in my mind, like, okay, there's going to be another little boy like me who's doesn't feel like he fits in, doesn't feel like he connects or doesn't feel like, and, and however they do to them, like people will gender you, people will, mm -hmm. Um, make you feel one way or the, or another you're and you don't quite fit in I just wanted any kid um, mm -hmm. that I interact with to have a feeling like no they fit in school and if they and if there's not an overt effort to help them fit then we're going to be a part of that or revolutionary change to make it happen so mm -hmm. I, I even started groups 
Um, and now I'm thinking about it. That's, that's I mean, it, these early ideas started happening at a young age. But when I mm-hmm. was in practice as a school psychologist, the groups that I would develop for young people were really kind of niches for them. Everything from like a gymnastics team in the hood, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I had a gymnastics team. I had a um, team for. I had a step team for young men um, mm-hmm. and 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 the young women. We we developed one too, but we also had a um, once a month group for young men to come in and talk about issues that they were having. But I'm like it's ridiculous for you to have these conversations alone. So you need to invite all the women in your life mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and to check some of these notions that you have about how to be in the world, whether it's your mama, whether it's your sister, your cousin, your significant other, or, mm-hmm. and some of them, I, I had real over conversations about whether it's your guy friend who it's more than a friendship now and it's developing. I, I know you're young, but you need to still have these conversations for long term about who you are because I really wanted them to have a place of acceptance. And, 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 and I prided our group in being able to say, all right, this is a group is safe for you to come out in, mm-hmm. but also for you to say that, yeah, I'm a gang member and I'm afraid some days and, and I don't know what I'm going to do, but I want this college thing or I, I want more than sports or whatever is the common trope that a young black person needs to be involved in. I want to be beyond that. So mm-hmm. we're taking them to the beach. We're taking them to visit local colleges. And, and I was trying to always broaden their horizons, but it was because I felt boxed in a lot of times as a mm-hmm. young person going through school. So I didn't mm-hmm. want anybody else to feel boxed in if they were in my presence or I was advocating for them. And that, that's really how I saw it. Like I, 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 my job title was psychologist, but my, my underground guerrilla warfare was advocacy. <laughs> So, well, yeah. whether it's uh, underground advocacy or not, it is yeah. it is that aspect of maintaining the community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's and, and if the community is under threat, so sometimes you need to make an underground. Mm-hmm. If, if the community is able to be supported and sustained, then you want to celebrate and celebrate and celebrate as much as you can. And mm-hmm. so the young people I work with, I, I'm very proud that many of them are still doing that kind of work, whether they're in psychology, whether they're in business or um, Mm -hmm. military, they have this sense Mm -hmm. of, okay, I got to stay connected to the people where I came from. If I went Mm -hmm. to school and I worked mostly in Long Beach, I went to school in the west side of Long Beach, I'm wanting to maintain those ties and stay connected to those folks. Um, And so I I had a chance to be, I'm I'm just going through some of these remembrances. I had a chance Mm -hmm. to be a part of the Day of Silence at Cabrillo High School in Long Beach. And it was the first high school to hold the Day of Silence in Long Beach. Although Long Beach itself is a very liberal city, the school board at the time was very conservative. Mm -hmm. So they had blocked any ideas about a Day of Silence or gay straight alliances on campus. (laughs) And so some of the teachers were, they were thinking like, okay, well, um, Gamble, we know you're a Christian. And so you should be against this too, right? If you would just sign our petition, I said, yeah, I'm going to sign your petition, but I'm also going to quote a few Bible verses to you about love and kindness and mm-hmm. about acceptance. Um, and then I'm going to send this out to the students so they can see who's against them. And they go, oh, no, no we, we didn't mean that. We didn't mean that. We, we didn't mean that, Gamble. What, what, what are you trying to do? And I said, look, I'm trying to provide an atmosphere where students feel welcome and accepted. Mm-hmm. So now I thought I was advocating, but these students came out and like, man, I got a cousin, brother, sister. You're not going to say anything awful about them in our presence. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they're, they're, they're thinking that 
these black and Latino kids, mostly black and Latino, but we also had a large Filipino population at our high school. Mm -hmm. They're thinking that these kids basically in the hood are not going to care about their family members who are out or who are questioning or whatever, but mm -hmm. they came out in full force. <laughs> like, like it, 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 it was, it was funny, but then profound, like, you know, against are like, man, oh, they were gangbanging on people who were going to harm any relative <laughs> of theirs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't care if you're on the city council. I don't care if you're on the school board. I don't care if you're the mayor, you're all up here. <laughs> try to mess with my cousin you, you, you're gonna deal with something right mm -hmm. and, it, and it was just good to see that it was the students movement right mm -hmm. forget about the adults who may have thought they were doing something the students and part of that was kind of a seated underground that some of the adults and i we knew if we got out of the way the students will take and carry this this, this mm -hmm. is so i'm I, i'm really big on that but it came from being that student who was in the principal's office way too much and not wanting to be boxed in. So that's that's kind of my story. So I was trying to make a long story short, but man, you, you got me all in my feelings right now. Well, <laughs> well that's easy just, to do, easy to do. I'm a psychologist, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a story that people need to hear and realizing yeah. about the battles that we're fighting on multiple right. fronts right because let's be frank this has not just been a pandemic about the biological viral mm. nature right this has been right. a pandemic about many other things including yeah. our abilities to be as people in the world yeah yeah um and then again there's also that standpoint as a therapist it is my job and to get you into your feelings <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes yeah yeah well, you know, you reminded me of Nikki Giovanni's poem um, about going to Mars. Mm -hmm. And in the poem, she talks about how black people are ideally suited to go to Mars <laughs> because we have sadly, but we've survived within our DNA going to places that we don't know exactly how it's going to be. But for years at a time, we've been separated. But nonetheless, we found a way to create community in spite of mm -hmm. being separated from our land or even our language, we still find a way to hone and develop and enhance our humanity. Um, and so I, I thought when the shutdown happened, you know, we've created some very vibrant spaces online. Mm -hmm. And so of course, D-Nice is gonna happen. <laughs> uh, of course, more communities are gonna come together online to share their experience, but also enhance and enliven the culture. And really, I, as quiet as it kept, I believe Black folks saved America during. Even though we're taking the brunt of a disease, mm -hmm. we're also communicating and sustaining the community in spite of itself. Even though it's trying to rip itself apart, we're still here holding it together through whatever mediums and by any means necessary, if I can quote good old Malcolm X or El Haj Malik El Shabazz, we're holding mm -hmm. ourselves together. So that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's been exciting to see. It's been, it's been sad and challenging knowing so many people have lost and a good portion of these 800,000 people who have lost, we've lost to um, COVID um, in the United States even, and that's just the United States alone have been African-American people mm -hmm. um, and, and largely preventable type things, but it's mostly because of our horrid healthcare system. And that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's one of the things that like really, drives me is that our healthcare system is really poor. And on top of that, it adds to the stigmas around people getting good mental health services and getting access to mental health services. So I mm -hmm. think the more we talk, the more we share 
and build community, it embeds um, opportunities for us to help family and to be helped too. I, mm-hmm. I, I include myself in that. <laughs> That, that that we do need to talk about these things so yeah yeah definitely and there's just so much of that and that's also part of what i wanted with this podcast to be able to not talk just talk about uh bipoc and people of color issues but also mm-hmm. is like what does it mean for us in this communities as geeks and blurs and gamers yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah because for myself it's like uh, for those who have been listening is like i see the intersection of so many of these things and yeah. i'd say that with respect to the women who use that term yeah but there's these places where my identity is multifaceted mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i find strength in that multifaceted as yeah. opposed to being just one thing yeah yeah i i don't know what was the precipitating factor but i knew i felt it in second grade that i never wanted to be boxed in Mm-hmm. So I wanted to be multifaceted. And so some of my hobbies even right now, whether they're surfing or um, guitar or jujitsu, they're really occupied with geek and nerd life <laughs> or, mm-hmm. or, or we, we become very obsessive to the point that we're, we're, we have these esoteric words that we're talking amongst mm-hmm. each other. Um, but it's, I, as I'm, you know, thinking as myself at 12 years old, I still have the same hobbies I had then. Now I could mm-hmm. actually pay for them <laughs> to some degree and I could devote the time to them. So I've been going through all my Star Wars podcasts and what Star Wars, not just podcasts, but, you know, online YouTube mm-hmm. spaces to blogs to, mm-hmm. you know, revisiting what it all means to me. Um, and how I can apply those things. And these are our current mythos. So mm-hmm. I, I, I think geek culture, nerd culture is having a renaissance um, mm-hmm. and it isn't quiet, but it is one that is definitely holding um, our environment together because a lot of it happens online mm-hmm. and our humanity and, and many good parts of our humanity are held there. So mm-hmm. Star Wars or Star Trek, and I'm very much into both universes. I, 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 don't, I don't go one side or the other, even with mm-hmm. DC and MCU, although I lean a little bit more towards DC, mm-hmm. only because um, my mother used to buy me Batman records as a kid because <laughs> and, and I was very sickly, right? And so I, I had allergies and other things, so I was always mm-hmm. off of school. In those mm-hmm. days I was off school, she'd just leave me with, with a few Batman records and I just got enmeshed in the DC universe, but it helped mm-hmm. me kind of forget about the fact that I could barely breathe or I, I have to take this shot for allergies or whatever it was. And it would just give me kind of a little reprieve. Um, and so I, I still feel that same kind of energy. Whenever a new Batman movie's coming out, I, 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 anybody who knows me, like, you're worse than a little kid right now. And I'm pulling out stuff from the 90s when uh, Michael Keaton's Batman came out, I still have either T-shirts or hats from that era. So, yeah, man. And, and I thought I was the only one who loved Batman that much um, in the 90s when it came out. But um, what, what I like about superhero stories is you can, and it, particularly as a psychologist, you can expand on a human's development mm-hmm. um, in ways that, you know, whether they take them into some type of multiverse experience or it just allows them to see like what the scope of their powers are and possibilities. And if you don't have a lot, you can still imagine along with that. And then eventually there's some points in life you can begin to apply some of those things. Mm -hmm. So um, my favorite 
comic heroes, John Stewart from Green Lantern. <laughs> and and I, I won, an, won, an, won an award and gave a speech at one of the school psychologist conventions here in California. And, and I had to embed Green Lantern into the speech. I had a Green Lantern tie and a pin and socks. Um, but it's really kind of how I felt as a school psychologist. Um, mm -hmm. There's some things that are my will, but I don't want to be afraid to advocate for that one kid, right, um, who needs a better environment. So the constructs we develop, if I still follow my Green Lantern idea, and, and I'm acting like I have the ring in my hand right now, mm -hmm. <laughs> but if I follow those strong constructs, I'm able to build a new world along with that family because they're giving me the ideas that they need for their child. But we're able to develop something that hasn't been for anybody else, but it's unique because it's for that kid, right? Uh, but sci-fi, um, comics, all those things help me in the creative space to begin to get have a broader conceptual idea of, so how do we help somebody in a complex system? Mm -hmm. Well, the Green Lantern works over many different galaxies. <laughs> um, it, I, I'm just my imagination has to begin to think complex if I'm reading those comic books. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I enjoy just that thought project of getting out there in sci-fi and really going beyond whether it's and, and appreciating Octavia Butler's work to, you know, the Matrix to, mm -hmm. you know, and, and we could just keep going with works that expand our consciousness even um i, I think of um tony morrison's the bluest eye mm -hmm. as as an example of like horror slash sci-fi yet you know dealing with intersectionality dealing with racism colorism class status but she's mm -hmm. using a almost a fantasy type way of looking at how to deal with and overcome but also a little bit of horror and tragedy at the same time mm -hmm. and Man, I, I wish the Association of Black Psychologists had given her more flowers um, for, for her work because it really gave us a, a, a way in, in our own, I, I think, African-American um, voodoo type context, if I, could, if I can go there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. More than welcome to, here. <laughs> good, good. To, to, to express um, the power of our resilience and our loves and our fears and all of those things, but nonetheless still pressing forward. Um, and, and she was unrepentant in her love of Black people and, and her rebuke of the evils of white supremacy. Um, and even my favorite are her interviews with Charlie Rose, where she just lets him have it. Um, mm -hmm. And speaking of that, um, Bell Hooks as well, um, who, who was similarly, um, who's recently passed. May um, she rise I, in power. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, who was able to occupy um, a space for us to be thoughtful and creative about what we wanted for our love and life. She may not always been right on for everybody, mm -hmm. but she was pressing forward at very fast speed and sometimes so far ahead, we weren't ready. And, and I know there's still gonna be things that I'm gonna read, you know, I pray 20 years from now that will still get me like, oh, that's what she meant by that, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Um, but that's, I think, is a part of Afrofuturism and believing in the best possibilities that, number one, we are going to be around. We are like Nichelle Nichols. We are going to be in space <laughs> or LeVar Burton or, you Very know, it, right. Or we, Captain Burnham. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, I, I, I was working my way up to there, but definitely, definitely. And or, Captain Sisko. 
Yeah, yeah, or or Daystrom or or Captain mm-hmm. Cisco or yeah, Daystrom did not have a good ending there. He he, he didn't, but he has lasted. His yeah. science, right? Yeah. And with, yeah, within the Star Trek universe, has made it all the way to the latest iteration of Picard. So, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Which I was actually kind of annoyed when I was watching the uh, most recent episode of Discovery, and they were doing yeah. the ready room, talking mm. about the scientists who have gotten sort of lost and. Yeah, their work, and it's like, hey, you didn't put Daystrom in there. They, come on, <laughs> and that's original series. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but you have so eloquently spoken of sort of the, how the sci-fi and the mm-hmm. uh, fantasy and so forth has mm-hmm. been so critical for a significant portion of us to be yeah. able to be out living in this world and to yeah. basically be in the brightest day and the darkest nights. <laughs> Yes, indeed, indeed. Whether we've got that lantern ring, whether we've got that delta yeah. shield or that lightsaber. Right, right. All any of it, any of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh man, you 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 you're warming my heart there. <laughs> Good stuff. And again, why why thoughts behind this creating this podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 these are things I don't get to talk to people much, but they're they're very present and and what I've loved in working with young people, if they are either into the DC, or the Marvel universe, mm-hmm. I'm able to explain heavy constructs to them um, about psychology or about their own education through the medium of comics. Mm-hmm. And, and especially kids with, um, who are on the autism spectrum, who've been able to really um, grasp. I had this young woman who I was able to use through the Green Lantern or the Lantern course, um, color spectrum, mm-hmm. ways in which to help her relate to other people mm-hmm. and, and really get a sense of who she was, but then relate to others. And she, she had, her parents had been through a divorce and her stepmother really didn't get where she was coming from. And so we were just able to talk about, you know, okay, here's how you can use your Green Lantern in this experience. Or every once in a while, you need to bring out that orange lantern because it is yours and it's okay to be selfish and Mm -hmm. for it to be mine, 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 all mine. Mm -hmm. And equally, (laughs) there is a very significant portion where sometimes we do need to be red lanterns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's okay to be angry at this moment. You need Mm -hmm. to let it out. It's all right. Mm -hmm. So so we would either practice um, her having conversations with people where she was afraid that she didn't know that she could say that I'm angry. And she mm-hmm. was able to let that out. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and that, that kind of opened up another door for me for learning from young people kind of what their um, fantasy, sci-fi, or comic experience is, mm-hmm. learning from them and then understanding their constructs and then being able to have a medium to better understand their world. And once they understand their own world, I'm doing less work. I'm just a witness to like, wow, look at you. You were able to come up with something. I've even had some students create their own comic books about their own lives. Lovely. Absolutely lovely. Which is the thing that is so forgotten about what we create when we imagine, which is one of those things that, again, depending on who we're dealing with, will try and beat us out of us, especially if they are members of our own culture. Right, right, right. Uh, Yeah. And I think that's a place where we can basically pause and we will come back and continue from there. Okay. So this is Perry Clark, a licensed marriage and family therapist with Dr. Brandon Gamble, master of uh, 
I can't believe I'm stumbling on this right now. You have the uh, master's or no, doctorate of uh, education here on, <laughs> on, on Tying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. We'll be back with us shortly. Our lives and the world around us can get messy and frustrating. Untangle and Grow Counseling's focus is to untangle that mess and make sense of it so you have a good foundation to build and grow from. Visit us on the web at untangleandgrowcounseling.com. Perry Clark offers individual psychotherapy, couples and family therapy, and adolescence therapy from a variety of coping materials and resources. Visit untangleandgrowcounseling.com for more information. You are listening to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. If you have a question or comment about our podcast, send an email to pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. That's pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. And now, back to the program. Welcome back, everybody. This is Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist, here with Dr. Brandon Gamble on Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. So we, one of the things, as you just heard me stumble as a, on our exit there, yeah. was talking about Dr. Gamble's degree, which is yeah. a doctorate in? Education. Education. With the, yes, with the emphasis in educational psychology. Now, that, for some, for some who don't realize, and for those who are who maybe listen to this and see it as a potential aspect for the future, most people, <laughs> when they think about the doctorate, when it comes to this, it is the PhD, which is a doctorate of, of philosophy of psychology. Then there is the PsyD, which is a doctorate based much more on doing more the practical side of it. So a, a, the, the philosophy is usually much more going to be looking more towards teaching, research, uh, elements there. The PsyD is much more the practical side of it. So they're more doing testing assessments, uh, doing the forensics that you might see in a court case or such. And then we come to the master's of uh, the, sorry, the doctorate of education that you have there. So can you tell us a little more about what got you on that path? And for those to basically start understanding where that might be an option for them to be able to get that doctorate and continue to help all of us. You know, I'm glad you kind of paused there on either like a graduate level degree Mm-hmm. So school psychologists are the only um, psychologists who have an exemption who don't have to have a doctorate to be called psychologists. Mm-hmm. So they can have either a master's degree, which I earned first, a master of science mm-hmm. in counseling with a specialization in school psychology. Mm-hmm. Now, my same program changed it to an EDS or they call it an educational specialist degree which is everything, it's, a, it's more units than a master's degree. Mm-hmm. Typical master's degree is in between 36 to about 58 units. Mm-hmm. And usually an EDS is in between 60 to 80 units. Mm-hmm. And so this EDS allows school psychologists to work in the school system and they don't necessarily have to have a doctorate. Mm-hmm. Most of the people who earn a doctorate, they want to do their own practice if they're school psychologists. Mm-hmm and or they want to teach at the university level. Mm -hmm. And when you're teaching at the university level, 
it's expected that you can at least be a consumer of research, if not a producer of research. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing it full time, you have to be a producer of research. So you can have a doctorate in any of those levels, but that also depends on the type of university it is. Mm-hmm. So not to get too complex, but there's universities that do a lot of research. There's universities that do teaching. And so I'm mm-hmm. keeping that part simple. Mm-hmm. Um, I always wanted to do the teaching part. Mm-hmm. And so an EDD worked for me. Many of the deans mm-hmm. and people in higher education have an EDD degree. Mm-hmm. So they understand this. But I'm also a psychology nerd. I didn't want to miss my roots because my bachelor's and my master's are in psychology fields. Mm-hmm. So this educational psychology degree seemed like it would work. Now, a lot of the educational psychology degrees have become organizational change degrees. And my former program used to be an ed psych degree. Now it's organizational change. Mm-hmm. What I've found is that a lot of social workers earn their EDD degrees in educational leadership, um, like mayors, police chiefs, because they're working in government systems the ed leadership helps them to be able to be directors of clinics or other, or even their own agencies. They may still have the licensure at the master's level, but now they're directing at higher levels. Mm-hmm. And the research helps them to be able to write grants and other things with mm-hmm. an EDD. Mm-hmm. So the education doctorate is often more than simply about education. It's usually about understanding leadership. Um, and, and if folks kind of take that in mind, as well as what some of the specialties are, because I've seen many different specialties for EDDs, in mm-hmm. many states, EDDs can specialize in counseling. So they also make curriculum mm-hmm. for group counseling, for psychoeducational efforts where you're teaching people about psychology or social work or um, anger management or stress management or Mm -hmm. sometimes even diversity, equity, and education. And they're doing a lot of trainings. Um, So they may may work for a corporation, but they're providing these trainings. And some of the first people with EDDs I met, they're like, why are you a doctor? I know you work at a business corporation. Mm -hmm. Like, well, I did my research in these areas, but Mm -hmm. I'm I'm an applied researcher. And that's really what an EDD or even a PsyD is. It's an applied Mm -hmm. degree. Mm -hmm. Um, Kind of a tangent, Another type of applied degree is a medical doctor mm-hmm. and, or a doctor of physical therapy, which is the latest kind of in this um, range of doctors out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and physical therapists, they moved everybody. So if you want to be a practicing physical therapist now, you have to have a doctorate in physical therapy, but it's still an applied degree. They're mm-hmm. not expecting people to do a lot of research, but they may be able to teach because mm-hmm. they practice at the highest level. Mm-hmm. So coming back to the EDD, um, for me, I wanted to go to a program that was going to help me apply the information that I was learning each night in class. Mm-hmm. Every assignment I had, I took back to the school site where I was working and used it to help us better um, provide services for special education or school psychology and even our, um, review our mental health services. So I, I was very intent on that. Each of my instructors, I said, okay, how's this going to help me when mm-hmm. I go back to work? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And And the instructors were very helpful. And a lot of the EDD instructors, what I find in many of the programs, they're practitioners too. So many of them are part-time faculty, but Mm -hmm. they also work in the field. So they're able to really explain how to do the research and get it going. And for Mm -hmm. me, 
I read um, Cardi G. Woodson's Miseducation of the Negro. And in that book, he says, you know, Black people probably shouldn't go in and get a PhD right away or a doctorate. Says the master's level allows you to go out there and get practical real world knowledge, which most of your instructors don't have. <laughs> and particularly if you're going to mostly white instructors to explain Black people's lives. And for those mm -hmm. who aren't familiar, Cardi G. Woodson is the one who comes up with Black Negro History Week, which eventually becomes Black History Month. So his idea is to help people better understand Black life. And he says the best way to do that is at the master's level. Mm -hmm. Now, once you understand, you're going to be an even better doctoral candidate. And so I took that to heart. And so seven years after I earned my master's degree, I was in a doctoral program. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to talk very um, directly about the real life issues that were going on. And my doctoral dissertation ended up being about a volunteer program that I was running, but it was one that I saw that there was a need for, for I mentioned young men in the, uh, in the latter part of the program. Mm -hmm. I was working with a young men's group and mm -hmm. I was interested in, um, and this is kind of a sociology term, but there's social capital network and the social capital networks that we were using to help embed young people um, with information about college, information about mental health, information about medicine, information about civil rights, information about dealing with the police and the, and the injustice or court systems, right? Mm -hmm. And actual access where we can call a lawyer, we can call a probation officer and to give us objective advice. We're not mm -hmm. calling them to get the kids in trouble. <laughs> mm -hmm. right? We're calling them to help us navigate systems that negatively impact black people, but also to access systems that sometimes black people have been shut out of, mm -hmm. in particular the university system. So I'm glad it worked because I have mentees who are in that program who are um, working at U University of California, Berkeley, who mm -hmm. are counselors, some of the only black male counselors on the campus. Um, I have another one who's a colleague of mine now. He went to the same doctoral program I went. He was in special education. They had told him he can't make it to college, but he has a doctorate. <laughs> He's written two books. Mm -hmm. He had a learning disability, dyslexia, told this was impossible. <laughs> and he's he's done research on helping black parents. He helps black kids get in the school. Like he's been to the White House, visited with Michelle Obama, like his name. So I'm gonna talk about two of them. So just so excited <laughs> about them. One is Dr. Adesai Anderson, mm -hmm. right? And the other one is um, Dr. Keon Anderson. Um, one is a psychologist, counseling psychologist, the other is a social worker. But I told them, like I tell many of my mentees, doesn't matter what you do with the, or what degree you have, it matters what you do with degree. And I'll, I'll say mm -hmm. that again, all right? It doesn't matter what degree you have, it matters what you do. So what I wanted for them is to imbue with them a vision for helping community. So it didn't matter obstacle they put in front of them, they were already doing the job. It was a matter of them getting the certification so they could open more doors mm. for, for them and for the students that they serve and the families that they serve. So um, I've been very gratified to be able to do it in that way, but it's really honoring some of the things. And, and, and I do love the Association of Black Psychologists. I will say that the people, sometimes the organization, that's another question, mm -hmm. right? As with any uh, organization, they, they can all be flawed. But mm -hmm. the people who mentored me directly, they were making sure that I wasn't just thinking um, four years ahead, like any mm -hmm. you know, like high school or college. Right. I'm thinking 20 to 50 years ahead, 
for that next generation and the type of acceptance and support that they'll need in order to accomplish bigger things for the next generation. Um, mm. and, and it's really what I try to do is each one teach one. Mm. And at first I was trying to do it. I, I really thought I could do it all. Like I, I, I'm going to go ahead and get a, just a hundred strong young black men to do this. No, I don't, I don't know nothing <laughs> with all my degrees. I know Jack squat. They probably know more about surviving than I ever will. I, I'm, I'm my parents raised me in the suburbs and I, I'm, I'm, I never shy away from that, but I'm a sci-fi geeky nerd from the suburbs. I'm not mm. going to be able to explain how to overcome everything to a kid who's living in a very different environment. Right. Um, and, and, and it's not the suburbs and there's a lot more direct trauma and, and those kinds of things where, but yet they're able to be resilient. Mm -hmm. All I can do is help highlight how amazing they are and how awesome they are and help them kind of hone in on and enhance and develop who their greatness. Um, and I think that's, and, and that's another piece I did get from the Association of Black Psychology, particularly from Dr. Linda James Myers and her optimal psychology, which I think is um, sci-fi at its best, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Looking oh, for yes. like, what, what, what's the best in, in life? Like she, if you read her work, I feel it's similar to that same vibrational energy I feel when I'm reading Octavia Butler or if I've been in her presence and she's talking about the best possibilities for black people. She's asking what's best rather than why are you so messed up, which is what a lot of people feel they're going to get when they come right. to speak with a psychologist. And so I, I encourage people to even within their own sense before they go see a therapist or a psychologist to really think that through. So I, I, I'm always encouraged by that movement, but mm -hmm. I'm always looking forward to talk about how we can get people greater access to mental health. And, and a lot of it is talking about what's right with people. I mean, for me, particularly what's right with black people. Mm -hmm. Which I think is a lovely little segue into your podcast. Oh, thanks. Thanks. So, um, I, and I have two. The first one I started was the gold doctor. Mm -hmm. and, and so I really started asking some of my friends, like, what is it, and particularly my former students, what mm -hmm. is it you got out of my classes that were helpful? And I started thinking, what were the things that I really had to like get my noon about and even teach my students of psychology? But mm -hmm. I did it in such a way where they were able to pick it up and run with it. And mm -hmm. that was developing goals. Mm -hmm. And that's one and of the things. And we should just be saying, we're saying goal, G-O-A-L, not the metal. Yeah. 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 So for me, measurable, observable and doable goals. And mm -hmm. so a lot of people talk about activities or good ideas rather than things that they can measure, rather than things that other people can see that they can demonstrate in, in their lives, but that aren't so far fetched that they won't be able to do them. So for me, surfing <laughs> was one mm -hmm. of those things. Right. So after I earned my doctoral degree, I felt like, man, I can do anything. And I always wanted to do it. Now, I had gone boogie boarding as a kid since I was 10 years old. But the idea of buying a surfboard, buying a wetsuit and doing it as a regular activity seemed just too far for me. Mm -hmm. um, but once I finished, I said, man, either I'm going to do it or I'm not. And at Cal State Long Beach, I worked just a few blocks away from the beach. So I said, this has got to happen. So I gave myself a month and I did it in typical gold doctor fashion. <laughs> I... Um, gave myself kind of a baseline of performance in, in the basics of what mm -hmm. I was able to do. I was able to be in the water. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was able to hold on to the board. I was able mm -hmm. to stay in there for an hour <laughs> and I was able to at least 
go at the same speed as a wave. I was able to jump on the board at the same time and the wave would carry me. Mm-hmm. Right. But I said, next week, I need to be able to at least put one foot on the board while the board is moving. <laughs> if I can do that, I know I'm making progress. By the third week, I said, okay, a, a foot and a knee. If I can get a foot and one of these knees <laughs> on this mm-hmm. board at some point while the board is moving, it didn't mm-hmm. have to be good. It didn't have to be standing. It didn't have to look like anything. I just needed to, and, and survive this encounter. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because sometimes I was my own worst enemy. By the fourth week, I actually had a dream. And like, and some psychologists call this like a um, insight um, burst or, or kind of like, a, um, and I'm trying to remember the exact term for it, but it's kind of like you develop this insight after you tried these different things and particularly mm-hmm. measurable, observable goals. And so I had a dream I was in a surf contest. Now, there was no way I was going to be in any surf contest, mm-hmm. but I felt kind of settled, like, okay, this, this might happen. And that next day, everything came together. I'd watched a couple of YouTube videos. I talked to a couple of friends who surf and the waves were just right. The, my balance on the board had gotten better. My timing was better and I was up and, and I've been up since. Now I wouldn't recommend everybody go and not take a lesson. I could have mm-hmm. saved myself a few weeks if I had just taken a lesson and condensed that three to four weeks into probably two or three hours and been done. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I, I enjoyed the experience myself and now I really, and I've run into other people. So here's another thing that I had to think about too. Are there other people like me who've gone through a similar experience in the world? Mm-hmm. And yes, there are other black surfers who've gone through many similar experiences, being maybe the only one or mm-hmm. teaching themselves or just applying black culture to surfing style. <laughs> right and, and doing their own thing I, I have things that i do on the board i know nobody else does um and and it's, some of it comes from my reading of both Ghanaian and hawaiian surf history mm-hmm. so if i catch a wave i'll turn around and face the wave and and bow and fold my hands and bow like i'm praying thanking the gods for allowing me this wave mm-hmm. <laughs> um not i don't know of anybody else who does this <laughs> But it's kind of my thing where I felt the ancestors talking to me like, this is your stuff. Um, you better recognize <laughs> why you're out here and, and remember where you came from. It, it's all right that you're doing this thing, but don't think that y- you got it from somebody else. That, mm-hmm. way, that desire within you to go and do this was already from you. So, and, yeah. the free, and, yeah. we, and so many things I can say there, but the yeah. reminder is that Africa is surrounded by water. There is Indeed. more than enough uh, countries and there are more than enough various groups who grew yeah. up with the water yeah. with the ocean not yeah. just fishing but right. also in their own ways playing yeah. with the waves yeah so and respecting this... the waves Ooh, that's that I'm gonna leave that right there that's that's deep and beautiful all all, all the above yes yes yeah yes and that was also an association, uh, the, the association of black surfers is yeah. uh, one that I definitely want that link to. So I can put it okay. in, you're in so, your, uh, so, your, so there's your two, two different, two different groups, right? Mm-hmm. We have the, um, black surfing association, which really talks about the history of the organization, mm-hmm. uh, which started in 1975 and really mm-hmm. was just bringing brothers together to make sure that they weren't experiencing racism and, and, and that they learned more about the sport. Mm-hmm. 
more recently, around 2010, 2011, the Black Surfers Collective came together and they mm -hmm. provide free surf lessons during the summer. So mm -hmm. we've had two events this year because of the shutdown. Mm -hmm. We wanted to make sure that everyone was safe. Um, and so we had to regroup. But I know coming this summer, very likely there's going to be our monthly summer free lessons in the Santa Monica area. And that's blacksurferscollective.org. So, Beautiful. and I, I'll also end with my two websites in which you could find my podcast and other um, shows that I've been on. Um, and I've had the privilege to be on it. I just have, have lived a, a fun life, but I think some of it has really been part of the shutdown and people really mm -hmm. just wanted to connect. So I've been on different podcasts and other things. So um, the golddoctor.net, mm -hmm. golddoctor.net, that's G-O-A-L-D-O-C-T-E-R.net. Mm -hmm. The other is drbrandongamble.com, drbrandongamble.com. There you can find my bio and, and other things if you want to connect with me. And you did also seamlessly, we didn't even have to announce that we were talking about the myths uh, myths uh, and realities <laughs> of psychology. We got to talk about those things, awesome. about, the, about the, the geeking about the waves and doing where people can find you. Yes. My hat, well, hats <laughs> off to you. <laughs> <laughs> and, yes, and we're, and yes. we're laughing because most guys don't know it is that we're both bald-headed men yes so, we, 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 I, I was getting ready to say I, I love your haircut so thanks for the hats <laughs> off <laughs> exactly so yeah. Brandon thank you again for doing this I'm oh, looking forward and I'm looking forward to maybe getting you and your sister back on for that joint session just to watch the energy between the two of that, you that, that'd be good we will be together at Christmas so the, 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 some of the times that you, you can catch us or maybe we even might because um, my sister does want to do a podcast during Christmas. So um, she, that would be, be a perfect one. That yeah, would be a perfect yeah, one. Yeah. Perfect one. And definitely, I'm sure you guys are going to be trading your stories of, our, of each of your interviews. <laughs> no, definitely. 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 This perfect. has been awesome. Perfect. All right. Well, I Happy want to thank holidays. you again. Happy yes. holidays to you too. And this has been Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered with Perry Clark, Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist and Dr. Brandon Gramble. So uh, again, hope uh, wherever you are, whenever you're listening to this, you have a good holiday season, whenever that is. And be well. Thank you for tuning in for Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. Be sure to join your host, Perry Clark, for another episode on the podcast coming soon on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.